Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today it's part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 42 through 44. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Hi everybody, welcome to our discussion tonight of Genesis chapters 42, 43, and 44. And I've titled this lecture, From Feast to Famine. From Feast to Famine. We know tonight there will be seven years of feasting and then seven years of famine. And what would you do if there were no food anywhere in the United States for seven years? None in the entire land. We can barely even fathom that because we're so fat. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. But today, Jacob and his sons find themselves in that exact predicament. Food is running out, and, and people around them are perishing. It's gone from feast to famine. How about feast to famine in the spiritual life? Sometimes your prayer life is going really well. The word's really speaking to you. Your quiet times are so fruitful and wonderful. And then something happens in your life and it seems like you're in an absolute desert. You can't hear the voice of God. You cry out, where are you, Lord? It, it's dry. It's arid. St. Therese of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face, she experienced that exact thing. She's a 19th century French Carmelite nun and she wrote about her own experience experience of spiritual famine or the dark night of the soul. Her dark night derived from doubt of the existence of eternity to which doubt she nonetheless did not give intellectual or volitional assent. She wouldn't give into it, but she prevailed in a deepening of her faith. However, she painfully suffered through that prolonged period of spiritual darkness, declaring to her fellow nuns in her writings, if you only knew the darkness that I am plunged into. Now, she died at age 24. In that short life, she becomes one of the four women doctorates of the Catholic Church. There are only four this 24-year-old is one of them, with Hildegard, Catherine of Siena, and Therese of Avila, and this 24-year-old Carmelite who had spiritual famine a good part of her life. Another person, St. Paul of the Cross. You may have heard of St. Paul of the Cross from Italy. He had a long, long, long spiritual famine, a dark night of the soul. He was an Italian saint. He ultimately recovered from that, but it lasted for 45 years years. It was a tremendous confessor. St. Teresa of Calcutta took her name from Tres of Lisieux, but she had the longest on record uh, case of spiritual famine or a dark night of the souls. According to her own letter, it went lasted from 1948 to 1997, 49 years of spiritual famine and a dark night of the soul with just brief interludes of relief. No more darkness for any of those saints now. No more spiritual starvation for any of those saints now. Instead of from feast to famine, they've gone from famine to feast to the heavenly banquet of the Lamb with the communion of saints and endless, endless feasting, eternal wine flowing. Uh, but that 
moving from famine to feast of God in heaven. Amos the prophet says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And our culture is in one of these famines right now. But he wants us to move from famine to feast. And our, our goal, our end point is feasting uh, in full communion with the Trinity one day. What seems like a famine here on earth, we still get a foretaste at the Mass in the Eucharist. Because that's outside of time and space. And we get, we get fed there. But one day we will be really fed. Now today, Jacob and his sons find themselves running in an extreme famine. Food is running out quickly. You remember the dream that Pharaoh had? No one in the entire land could interpret the dream except one person, the slave in prison. And the cupbearer remembered Joseph one day, and he was the only one who could tell Pharaoh what his dream meant. He said there will be seven years of plentitude, absolute abundance, and it'll be followed by seven years of extreme famine. So from feast to famine tonight, and so it was. Year one, fabulous crops. Year two, abundance of grain. Year three, wow, a bumper, bumper crop. Year four, oh man, were they ever producing? Year six, year seven. <laughs> I mean, it was bumper, <laughs> bumper crops. <laughs> But then the tides changed, and you know how quickly that can happen in your own life. One day everything's going great, and then one day the tide turns. The different winds blow. Breaking news, breaking news. A severe drought has carved a path of destruction throughout the ancient Levant, killing crops, cattle, and people. Year one, year two, even worse, year three, no rain, no relief. Year four, because cattle start dying. Year five, people are dying. Year six, Jacob is at wit's end. He does not know what to do. They're out of food. So from feast to famine tonight with Jacob and his family, uh, I looked online and the University of Nebraska actually does a daily drought report for the whole United States of America, a drought monitor. This is the first time since 2011 as of March 15th of 209, that California is officially out of drought. They've been in a drought for a long time. Extreme drought still in Texas, the red areas, Nebraska's looking good. But we are not used to drought and famine in our time. But some of you may remember the Great Depression or had your grandma or great-grandma, but a... Uh, severe worldwide economic depression of the 1930s. Those people were able to feel this, this sense of famine. The Great Depression was the longest, deepest, and most widespread depression of the 20th century. Men were out of work, looking for jobs. Families were, were lost their homes and their farms. People lost jobs, were standing in soup lines, rationing food. Families were really destitute. This is what we find tonight. Jacob and his 11 sons and one daughter and their families who live in Cana are in extreme dire famine. Cana is at least 250 miles away from Egypt. Egypt has grain. Egypt's the breadbasket of the world at the time. And when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? get going. We need food. We're going to die. And he said, behold, I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy grain for us that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. 
10 is a fullness in biblical numbers, but those 10 will travel together for protection. There will be marauders on the road to Egypt. People are in dire straits when you're starving, uh, looting and, and marauders are on the road. So safety in numbers. Also, they can bring back more grain with 10 donkeys, 10 men carrying. So they're on their way to save their family. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother and his brothers, for he feared that harm might befall Benjamin. Benjamin was his only son left from Rachel, and he will stay with his father Jacob. Now, Benjamin was obedient. He could have left. He's obedient to stay behind with his aging father. And that brings me to an application here of caring for aging parents. Benjamin, son number 12, was chosen to stay behind and care for his old father. And some of you I know are caring for parents right now. And some of you have been asked to be that sibling who stays behind, chosen to stay behind and care for your elderly parents. Well, blessed are you. If you're that kid, if you're that one, blessed are you, holy are you, blessed are your family members that get to experience this. It's a blessing in disguise. And sometimes we don't always see the great blessing that it is because it's a hidden ministry. No, no one else knows about it. And it may seem thankless at times. And none of the other siblings know how much you're doing for mom. And they don't know that it took all morning just to get groceries. And they don't know that you spent all day going to two doctor appointments with mom. And they don't have to tell the parents the hard things that you have to tell them. Like, mom, uh, dad, um, your driving is uh, changing and it might be time. <laughs> It might be time to, to give us the keys. I mean, that is a hard conversation for a kid to tell their mom, right? Time to give the keys up. That's a huge loss. It's very humbling to seniors. Uh, I talked to a woman today who had just lost her keys. To The kids took them. And uh, just her sadness in her loss of freedom and independence. And it's really hard. And that's an example of spiritual famine in her life, becoming more detached from all sorts of things and having to lean on each other and calling for rides and humbling herself um, to, and just to really trust God in all things. That's hard. So Jacob is at this stage in life now. He's an old man. He used to provide for all those kids. He can't anymore. I want to tell you some of God's promises as we age with him. Isaiah 46, even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and I will save. Job says, is not wisdom found among the ages? Does not long life bring understanding? Listen to your father who gave you life. Do not despise your mother when she is old. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair is the splendor of the old. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So grandparents can be very important in the life of the next generation. 
You really are. You really are. He has a job for you to declare his mightiest deeds to the next generation. The American Journal of Psychiatry shows a 76% decrease in major depression in adults who report a high-valued faith. 76% less depression. Amazing. John Paul explained in his encyclical on suffering that because of the cross, all suffering... All suffering has purpose and is even a vocation. Suffering is a vocation. Suffering's important. Suffering has purpose and meaning. So to trust and obey till the end, that's our challenge. Even if we are in spiritual famine or if it comes our way, to persevere and to stay strong and to trust in God and his promises. So Jacob's old now. He's no longer able to provide for his large family. And Benjamin, son number 12, has stayed behind with his old father, Jacob. Now you remember Benjamin. He's the second son of Jacob and his beloved Rachel. And Rachel died in the childbirth of Benjamin, and she was left on the roadside there outside of Bethlehem. Joseph was thought to be dead. He was assumed to have been torn apart by wild beasts when they brought the bloody coat of many colors and Jacob almost died looking at it. He rent his garments. He cried for days. He mourned his son. And Jacob did not want to send Benjamin, Joseph's brother with his brothers. Jacob feared that harm might befall him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came for the famine was now in the land of Canaan. So they've gone 250 miles south for grain because Egypt is the known breadbasket for the entire world at the time. Joseph has been made viceroy of Egypt. Viceroy is, is governor or a ruling exercising authority on behalf of a sovereign. We know that he's been made number two in all the land. He's Pharaoh's right-hand man. Every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Joseph was second in command. We heard that last week. All must come through Joseph to have access to Pharaoh and to have access to bread. Joseph was the way to life. If you don't want to die, you got to go see Joseph. You got to get bread from Joseph because only Joseph had bread for the life of the world. He had been given the signet ring, the top authority in the land. He had been declared the right-hand man. Uh, like a son of the father, a son of Pharaoh. All must come through Joseph to access Pharaoh. Does that sound like anyone you know? This is a typology for Jesus Christ. Joseph was the governor over all the land. He it was who sold to all the people of the land. So only Joseph has bread for the life of the entire world. Does that sound like Jesus? I am the bread of life. Eat me and you will live. Joseph's brothers came and they bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. Does that remind you of anything? Remember when he was a kid and had the dreams? He had the dreams. His brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of the other brothers. And they hated Joseph. And they could not speak peaceably to them. And Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they only hated him all the more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it. And they all bowed down to my sheaf. Is that a great dream? <laughs> and his brother said, are you indeed to reign over us? 
Are you indeed Joseph to have dominion over us? And they hated him all the more for his dreams and for his words. And he had another dream. And he told his brothers the second dream. Behold, I dreamed another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the stars, 11 stars were all bowing down to me. <laughs> and when he told it to his brothers and his father, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come and bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in his mind. Well, that will be important because tonight it's deja vu for Joseph. These dreams are coming true. His brothers have come and bowed down before him. Joseph saw his brothers and he knew them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? Joseph said. And they said, from the land of Cana to buy food. Thus Joseph knew his brothers, but they did not know him. He looks different. He looks Egyptian. He's in Egyptian garb. He probably has his head shaved. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them. And he said, you are spies. You have come to see the weakness of the land. And they said, no, 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 my Lord. Just to buy food. We have come as your servants. We're all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants, we are not spies. And he said to them, no, it is the weakness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, we, your servants, are 12 brothers and sons of one man in the land of Cana. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father. And one is no more. One is no more. They're looking face to face, eye to eye with him and telling him he is no more. But Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you shall be tested. By the life of the Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Now, how will they ever get Jacob to consent to this? Jacob will not release Benjamin, not after what happened to Joseph. Send one of them, let them bring your brother while you remain in prison, that your words may be tested. Whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are all spies. But Joseph put them all together in prison for three days. Now, three days, and these memories start coming back. Three days of quiet, three days to think. The memories come back for the brothers. The memories come back for Joseph. He thought he was over this. He had just named one of his kids, you know, I've forgotten my homeland, Ephraim or Manasseh, remember? And now it's all flooding back. It's all flooding back. Memories being stripped of his clothing. Memories being thrown down into a deep, dark pit and left for dead. Memories of being down in that pit, screaming out, crying for his brothers to get him out. And them laughing and sitting down to eat. Memory is a very powerful component of the human intellect, especially if you've been betrayed, especially if you've been betrayed by a family member, someone you dearly loved. The memories start flooding back his mind, the hurt, the anger, the brokenness. St. Ignatius of Loyola, the song we sang, take Lord and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will. He prays that God would take his memory because memories are powerful. You know, we think we've forgiven somebody and then we get a memory that triggers something and, and we have to give it again, surrender it again to the Lord. Memories of betrayal are very powerful and it will take God's grace to surrender them. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. If, if, if 
If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined in your prison and let the rest go. And carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you will not die. And so they did. Then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw, we saw the distress of his soul when he besought us, and we would not listen. Therefore, in this distress, come upon us. Reuben, the oldest, Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against the lad? But you would not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for Joseph's blood. So we're getting regret, we're getting remorse, we're getting guilt, we're getting shame. It's all flooding back for both parties involved. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept, and he returned to them and spoke to them. So it's just flooding back a gush of emotions. Joseph took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Why Simeon? Why Simeon? Simeon is is number two son. He's one of Leah's sons. Leah's sons are all a pack. He knows they'll come back for Simeon. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. This was done for them. They loaded their asses with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of the sack. And he said to his brothers, my money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this, their hearts failed them. And they turned trembling to one another saying, who is this that God has done this to us? So it's not like, you know, they made a mistake or, or it, 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 they're fearful. God, God is on to us. God knows what we did years ago. The unconfessed sin. We lied to our father. We deceived him. When they came to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, they told them him all that had befallen them saying the man, the Lord of the land, he spoke roughly to us. He took us as spies of the land. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no more. And the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Cana. But the man, the Lord of the land said to us, by this, I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I will know that you are not spies, but honest men. And I will deliver to you your brother and you shall trade in the land. As they emptied out their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were overjoyed. No, they were dismayed. They were scared. They were dismayed. What is going on? And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. And Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin, Benomi, son of my old age. All this has come upon me. Spiritual famine. Where are you, Lord? And you notice it's all about him. How have you done this to me? Reuben said to his father, Slay my two sons. If I do not bring him back to you, put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. Is he going to believe Reuben, the firstborn son of Leah? He says he's pretty sure, he's really sure he can do this. He's even offering his two sons in payment. But does Jacob trust Reuben? No, why? Because while Jacob was away in chapter 35, Reuben went in and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. He made a power play. 
with his husband, with his father's wife, and Israel heard of it. He's not trusting Reuben. He's not trusting Reuben with his prize Benjamin. Jacob said, my son Benjamin shall not go down with you, for his brother Joseph is dead, and he only is left. Now, how do you think that made the other 10 feel when he said, Benjamin is the only son I have left? That had to really sting, right? That really had to, uh. If harm would befall Benjamin on the journey that you were to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. He will die. He cannot do it. He's not trusting the Lord and he's thinking a lot about himself. Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain which they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again and buy us a little food. They're out. This is a seven-year famine. They need more food. Judah said to him, Judah now, the fourth son of Jacob and Leah, the man solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother Benjamin with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down because the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, now it's been Jacob, 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 and now all of a sudden it's Israel. Why did you treat me so ill as to tell the man that you had another brother? It's all about Jacob. Israel or Jacob? Remember what the names mean. Israel means one who has striven with God and man and one, prevailed. Remember? What's the old name Jacob mean? Deceiver, supplanter. Part of that spiritual struggle in the end of life, he's still fighting with God and he's still fighting with men. It's till we die, you guys. This struggle, this tension, we're fighting with God. We have to persevere till our last breath until death do us part. And then we'll never part because the soul is eternal, eternally alive. So, the, so then it will be perfected and we won't have to worry about fighting with God anymore. But on this earth, until our last breath, we struggle. Israel as a nation was the firstborn son of God. The Gentiles will be the second born son of God in symbolic. All though are sons of God, right? We all have the same father, God. We're each a star. All of us are sons of Abraham. The stars promised to him, the sand grains. Israel said, why did you treat me so ill as to tell the man that you had another brother? So all are sons of Abraham. What if God would have stopped at son number one, just the Jewish race? We'd have no salvation, right? What would have become of son number two, the Gentiles? This is symbol. This is uh, God uses this language, nuptial language, like we're his wife or his bride. He also says we're his children. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So Jacob had already given up one son, one beloved son, Joseph. Now must Jacob give up another son? Benjamin. Abraham had given up Ishmael. Must he also give up Isaac? Remember the sacrifice of Isaac? Isaac had given up Esau. Must he also give up his other son, Jacob? Esau was the one he loved, the hunter. Must he also give up Jacob, the intellect? Jacob has given up a son, Joseph. Must he also give up Benjamin? Do you see a pattern here? God had given up his first son, Adam. Must he also give up a second Adam, a second son, a beloved son? who sits at the right hand of the Father, who every knee should bow to and every tongue confess. That was part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 42 through 44, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. 
To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.